0: Thanks for joining us here on the Light San Diego podcast. This sermon was recorded in Encinitas, California. For more information, please visit us at lightsaniego.com. But let's get our Bibles out. Matthew chapter 11 tonight, last series in Everyday Kingdom. Um... Really pumped. This has been a really fun series as we've just talked about the idea of kingdom of God is not supposed to be segmented or put into a box of a certain sort of region of your life, but God wants to use your work. He wants to use your sleep. He wants to use your family, your commute, every area of your life. He wants the kingdom of God to invade that. And it's something powerful when we grasp that this is an everyday type thing. Uh, This week I had a really fun... Um, kind of experience with my kids. Picked them up. Fridays are a short day from school. Picked them up and, and Zoe's like, Dad, I need new grip tape for my skateboard. And I was like, whenever any of my kids say anything about skateboarding, I'm like, that's priority one. Just lift it to the top. So... We went down to the skate shop, let her pick out her grip tape, and got her a new helmet while we were there. Uh, Jubilee in Vienna, my, my two middle daughters are like, we don't have a skateboard. I'm like, you're right, let's get a skateboard for you. I mean, Jen's like, what happened to like, our budget? I'm like, this is the budget. Skating is like <laughs> discipleship, raising our children up. So we went home just like stoked on skateboarding like this whole weekend. And we were, um, so I took him out to the cul-de-sac, and, and, and Zoe's like, hey, dad, I want you to teach me how to ollie. I'm like, been waiting for those words all my life, you know, just absolutely. So we, so we get there and we're working on it. And I, and I kind of hear her say, I'm like, I'm going to, I'm going to learn to ollie before Sadie does. I'm like, what, what was that? And she's like, she's like Sadie. She's like, she's so good at skateboarding. She goes to the skate park every day, but she can't ollie it. So I'm going to ollie before her. I'm like, oh, impressive. And so like, after like the third try, she's like, "Did I do it?" I'm like, "No, you have like months to go." And she's like, looks at me kind of confused, like, "I just got new grip tape." I'm like, "True, but there's a little bit more to this thing than just getting some sticky stuff for your feet." And then she's like, "Yeah, you're right. I need to watch a YouTube tutorial." I'm like, "Like, yes, that that will help you as well." I'm like, "But." There's no trade-off for what you do, you just put in the work. You just do this every single day of your life, and I think a lot of times we kind of approach um, our faith like that. We're like, all I need is some grip tape and a tutorial, and I'm good, right? Like I just need like a good sermon, maybe a good podcast, a book every you know a couple times a year, and I'm I'm set. The kingdom of God is moving through my life, and I think Jesus' invitation is so much deeper than that. He says, I want an everyday kind of kingdom. I want access to all of your life. But here's the problem, here's my fear, is that when I say that, even as we've gone through this series, there can be these moments, if we're not careful, that we start to feel overwhelmed. We start to be like, you can leave church, you're like, oh, another thing I gotta do better. Another thing I gotta add to my list. I can't, you know, I'm already trying to read my Bible and now they, you know, they want me to serve. And all of a sudden, We can treat the kingdom of God as something else we're adding to our plate. But I don't think that was ever the intention of Jesus. Jesus was never like, here's some more things to add to your life. His conversation went more like this. I want to give you a completely new life in general. I don't want to add something to your plate. I want to switch your plate. I I want everything different. I don't want to just be another thing on your to-do list, another thing on your calendar. I want full access and full control to your life. And the great news about that is that how he presents that to us, his followers, is maybe one of the most beautiful invitations we could ever have. Let's listen to what he says in Matthew chapter 11, starting verse 25. At that time, Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and of earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and the learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this is what you were pleased to do. All these things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. And here's his offer. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. And you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Uh, anyone else just feel a little warm and cozy when you hear that verse? You're like, I like this one a lot. And I think it's pretty obvious why we live in a chronically exhausted culture. There's something like this. This this verse is like cool water. We're like, oh yes, that's what I want. Tired, weary, heavy, laden, burdened. Just read my mail. Like this is this is this is this is what I need. And yeah, the problem is we don't know how to get there. And I think part of the problem is that we don't actually know what Jesus is giving to us. What his invitation really means. And so my hope on our last installment of this series is that we would walk away with a new yoke. We would walk away with a new understanding of the offer Jesus is putting on the table for us. And in order to do that, we need to kind of unpack this idea of what a yoke even is, because uh, unless you're one of those really cool urban farmers that exist in Encinitas, um, and even if you are, you probably don't have a couple of oxen who are using a yoke to plow your fields. Um, So as a kind of a Western modernized culture, we are so far away from kind of a farming um, agrarian culture that when we see things like this, we kind of maybe have like a picture in our mind from like the History Channel or something. But I wanted to kind of paint this picture for us. There's, there's probably three things that Jesus is alluding here to. One is a yoke. You, there was yoke for like men back then, and you use it to kind of um, add like, you could add weight and you could walk farther. Um, but most people don't think that's what he's talking about here. The other uh, use of a yoke is what I talked about. It's where you would engineer a yoke based on the different sizes of your animal. So no two animals are the same, right? And so if you have like a larger oxen and like a medium-sized oxen, you would build a yoke in such a way that they would have the weight distributed evenly uh, according to their size, and that they would be able to walk into a straight line. If your yoke was off, your plowing line was off. And so when Jesus talks about a yoke, it's talking about an idea of distribution, like, okay, what are you supposed to be carrying and what am I supposed to be carrying? And I think there's some truth in that for sure. It's part of the imagery, But there's a third option that really we just miss. And this third option would have been most common in that day is that rabbis for generations at that point used the term yoke to define their set of teachings. So when a rabbi would present his way of reading the Torah, his way of thinking about God, he would call it his yoke, and he would invite you to pick up his specific yoke. This is how you read the scripture. So Jesus' yoke probably, according to Matthew's gospel, probably would have been summarized by the Sermon on the Mount. This is how you are to read scripture. This is how you would have approached God, Matthew five through seven. And so he's now summarizing his yoke as this is my way of approaching God. This is my way of interpreting the scriptures. This is how you come to me. And the way he does this is really fascinating. And I wanted to kind of point out uh, a couple of different things that is happening here. One, Jesus is asking us to have some independence from some things, to leave some things, and then to have some dependence on some other things. And for us to, to rightly put the yoke upon us, there are some things that need to shift. And so I wanted to kind of just walk through these. Number one, Jesus' easy yoke is asking for independence from idolatry of information, And by idolatry of information, I mean it's that idea of if I just know more, then I'll get it. Number two, independence from the lie of legalism. If I just do more, then I'll be closer to God, then I'll be righteous. Number three, it's independence from the poison of performance. If I just achieve more, then I will find myself in the favor of God. And these are all things that God is, the yoke Jesus is asking us to leave And he, the yoke he asks us to depend on, to place upon ourselves, is number one, the dependence on the intimacy of our Father, understanding we are the beloved. Number two, the dependence on the way of Jesus, understanding that this is not just a belief system, it is a way of life. And number three, dependence on the presence of the Holy Spirit. And so we're going to be walking through these six different ideas that we find ourselves in the text that Jesus is trying to get his followers to grasp. This is, this is a big picture sermon here. This is, what does it look like to follow Jesus? Well, it looks like the easy yoke. And for us to understand the easy yoke, we have to kind of do some digging within this text. The very first thing we see is he's trying to get us to be independent from an idolatry of information. And we see this in the first couple of verses. It says, At that time, Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you've hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to the little children. Yes, Father, this is what you were pleased to do. So the very first thing we see Jesus lifting off of our shoulders is this idea that the things of God, deep relationship with God, is reserved only for the intelligent, only for the smart, only for those who've memorized scripture, only for those who know a couple of Greek words in their back pocket. Those are the people that really understand God. Oh, it's like, it's the pastor. He must really understand God because he studies where God, And, and Jesus right here dismantles that idea. He's like, no, no, no. It's not the learned or the wise. It's those who come like children. This is who understands God. This is who understands my yoke. Again, this is a fascinating concept, not just for us, but if you imagine the original hearers, this was at a time in history when wisdom and knowledge was at an all-time high. You get the the Jewish culture, which values wisdom, and you have the Proverbs and Ecclesiastes, and then you mix that with Greek culture, who, who loved philosophy, and what you find is this hybrid culture that just values intellect an academia in such a sense that this is the pinnacle of faith and spirituality and, and to be a human being. And Jesus comes and he addresses this in and, and this kind of popular point of view that we find. There's this really popular rabbi back then called Ben Sirah who lived about a, a 50, 100 years before Jesus. And he wrote um, these really incredible pieces of literature about what it means to follow God. And this, is, this would have been a popular kind of understanding, ideology of the day. And this is what he writes from his book, the Sirach, in chapter 51. Listen to how similar it sounds to what Jesus is saying to counteract this. Ben Sirah said this, Draw near to me, you who are uneducated. Does that sound familiar? Jesus says, draw near to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden. Draw near to me, you who are uneducated, and lodge in the house of instruction why do you say you are lacking in these things, and why do you endure such great thirst? I opened my mouth and said, acquire wisdom for yourselves without money. So the popular kind of worldview of the day, we kind of see it here in Ben Sira's writings, is like, oh, if you come to me, who all you who are uneducated, and I will give you the wisdom that you need. And Jesus comes and uses the exact same wording that this popular, prolific rabbi used, and switches it. it says, hey, come to me, who, all you who are weary and heavy laden. But he opens it up with this idea. It's like, hey, God doesn't reveal these things just because those people are learned or educated or smart or wise. He reveals them to people who are like kids, who are like children. Now, I have to be honest. Um, I, a lot of this sermon tonight is coming from like, a very personal space for me because I approach God intellectually most of the time. When I when I have really cool moments with God, oftentimes it's because I'm in a book, or I'm listening to a podcast, it's when I'm studying, and I have a new revelation of of who Jesus is and who God is. And when I read this, I'm reminded that those things are not bad. That's how God's wired me, but that's not the pinnacle of my relationship with God. God wants something deeper than my intellect. He wants to be more than a theory. He wants to be my Father. And how stale and hollow my relationship with my earthly father would be if it was only an intellectual assent. There's something more that he's wanting from me. N.T. Wright, who himself is a, is a brilliant thinker and a brilliant author, says this. For the average Jew of Jesus' day, this put wisdom about f- as far out of reach as being a brain surgeon or a test pilot seems for most people today. You, need, you needed to be a scholar trained in languages and literature with leisure to ponder and discuss weighty and complicated matters. Jesus sliced through all that with a stroke. No, he declared. You just need to be a little child. Jesus had come to know his father the way a son does. Not by studying books about him, but by living in his presence, listening for his voice and learning from him as an apprentice does from a master by watching and imitating. And he was now discovering that the wise and learned were getting nowhere and that the little people, the poor, the sinners, the tax collectors and ordinary folk were discovering more of God simply by following him. Jesus, than the learned specialists who declared that he was doing or what he was doing didn't fit with their complicated theories. I love N.T. Wright's quote right here. Because, this again, this is someone who's a professor at Notre Dame. I mean, this guy's smart. And he right here says, listen, Jesus is getting to something he's realizing. He's not looking at the smart people in the room saying, like, hey, you, you can understand who God is. He looks at the people in the room who everyone's discounted and says, you actually guys are getting it faster than the people who are educated and learned. And so I, I think the invitation of Jesus is not to stop learning or not to read or, not read a book, or, but it's that can't be all of it. The, the easy yoke of Christ is you can come, listen to this, just as you are, just as you are, and God wants to relate with you right at that level. Um, this year for me, I've, I've actively tried to work on this, and one of the ways I've done this is by reading Psalm 23 almost every single day. And one of the reasons I do that is because I already know Psalm 23. I've studied it. I've read books on it. I've preached on it. So there's nothing in that for me that I can um, learn more about. But there's so much more in that scripture that I need to be developed by. I can approach God as a son and say, Heavenly Father, how can I relate with you? How can I learn To trust your leading that you're lying me down in green pastures how can i trust your presence that you're with me in dark valleys how can i understand the victory that is set before me and and it's helped me uh move away from only approaching god in in a in a theological sphere and starting to approach him in a relational one and i think that's kind of the the opening kind of understanding what does it mean to carry this yoke jesus offering well it's it's taking off the lie or this idol of information. Oh, I knowing God means I just have to know more. Please, no more. Read books. But as you approach God, you can come just as a little kid, and he wants to relate with you and say, son, daughter, let me talk to you. Let me speak to your life. Let me speak to your heart. Number two, Jesus through this passage, is inviting us to have independence from the lie of legalism. The lie of legalism that says, if I just do more, then I'll be good with God. And I I love that Jesus is addressing this, because in that time frame, where this is written, there is this worldview that is just looming over every single Jewish person, and it comes from a couple of different things. Number one, the reason they're enslaved to Rome is because they didn't follow the law. That's like foundation number one. That's why we're in trouble. And so as a response or a reaction to that, the religious leaders of the day for the past few generations started building laws around the laws. There's 613 laws, which is a lot. In the Old Testament. And they're like, that's not enough. We broke those. So we're going to create laws around those laws to make sure it's like a buffer, right? It's like bumpers when you're bullying. It's like, okay, we're going to make sure we don't mess this up again. Oh, you know what? Let's make more laws around those laws. And so pretty soon they created something called the Talmud and the Mishnah. These were commentaries, other laws surrounding the laws. And so you can imagine what happened in society, All of a sudden, the really good rule followers, the people who had education, who could have the leisure to follow these laws, rose to the top, and everyone else was being policed by this small group of elite religious people called the Pharisees, and they just were reminded every single day, you're not doing enough. You're not doing enough. You're not following the law. You're not following this tradition. You're not doing this. And so there was this burden that was people were walking with, this yoke that they were walking with is, I'm just not doing enough. That's why in verse 27, it says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. That word burdened is used a couple chapters later in Matthew 23, Verse four it says, they, "They, the Pharisees, tie up heavy, cumbersome burdens or loads and put them on the people's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to lift a finger to move." This is a real problem. It's such a real problem that this sweet, like comforting little verse, verse of being you know, easy and light, if you read a few verses behind it, Jesus is furious. He's so angry. Because of this, because of this lie of legalism, this lie that people were believing, I'm not enough for God because I can't do enough. And Jesus comes and says, throw that yoke off, take my yoke upon you. That yoke that you, you have to you have to just do this and do that and follow everything perfectly. It's just stifling and choking you out, and I'm inviting you to freedom. And I think for us, sometimes we can read that and we can be like, well, that's not my, you know, that's not my problem. My, my problem is not that I'm trying to follow the Torah too closely. True. But maybe legalism for you looks like something different. Maybe legalism looks like for you, when you finally get a chance to sit down, you don't know how to rest. Because you've hardwired your brain that if you're not doing something, you're not valuable. Maybe legalism looks like for you when you hold your good deeds above other people's failures to make yourself feel good. Maybe legalism for you looks like a past you've had in another church or in a family of origin you have that convinced you if you don't do enough, then God is not pleased with you. And Jesus invites us to throw off that yoke, to free ourselves from that lie, Romans 3.20, listen to this. No one will be declared righteous in his sight by observing the law. It's not possible. You cannot do enough to have a right relationship with God and with others. R.T. France says, The rest Jesus offers instead is not a release from all obligations. But because of who he is, I love this line, his demands are such that to respond to them is rest. Relief would be an equally good translation. Even here and now, discipleship to Jesus is rest at compared with all human religions. So you're like, Benji, are you telling me that um, I don't have to do anything? No. But the doing you are invited to participate in brings rest. The doing that you're invited to participate in comes from a place of already being accepted. It doesn't get you any closer to God because God has already come close to you. And from that place of being the beloved, you begin to act and respond and behave in such a way that you are already loved. You don't have to earn any of it. And that is a powerfully different way of living than what our world is trying to offer us. Number three, Jesus invites us to become independent from the poison of performance. Throwing that yoke off. If I just achieve more. And and by the way, I think think this may be one of the greatest idols in our current cultural context. Is that if I'm not successful, I've somehow missed it. And And I'm not just talking about corporate America. I'm talking about the church. And people look at a church that's growing. They're like, "Oh man, look at God's favor on that!" But what they're saying is, "Oh, God's God's moving when there's success. Oh, it's an achievement, performance-based theology that has been formed largely by our Western worldview that that celebrates." something that's good, which is, which is passion and being driven and being creative and accomplishing, and it's elevated to a point that if you do not achieve, then your worth is at stake. And this was never the heart of God because we come from a, from a foundational place that, oh, we, we've already achieved all that we could because Jesus achieved it for us. Jeremiah chapter 6 has this phrase where he starts talking about the rest for your souls, which I believe is the, is the opposite of just trying to perform and achieve. It's the striving that you never fully get to. But listen to how it ends. Again, this is hundreds of years before Jesus. Jesus picks up on this prophecy and kind of rebrings it up. He says, this is what the Lord says. Stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient paths Ask where here the good way is and walk in it. So these are lines Jesus used. And you will find what? Rest for your souls. But you said, we will not walk in it. And man, that's a haunting prophecy that I believe is so evident in our culture today. Here comes Jesus quoting Jeremiah hundreds of years later Here's here's my way. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Come to me, and I will give you rest for your soul. And how many of us have said, I will not walk in it? Because I want to walk in the way of achievement and performance, and I will bow down to the idol of success rather than finding rest in a loving father who will give me, who has already told me that I have achieved everything that I need to because of his own victory. So let me give you an example for those of you who might be confused. Because you're like is, it, is like, is success bad? Absolutely absolutely not. The worship of success is, right? It, being, being exalted, God is not anti people being exalted because as a matter of fact, he says he exalts the humble. If being exalted or successful is bad, why would God be doing that to people he loves? So I'm not saying success is bad, but I'm saying the worship of success can be dangerous because we miss the easy yoke. We miss the light burden that Jesus offers us. And so this this became relevant to my life when we were planting the church. And I started meeting with people, like early on, I'm like, hey, we're gonna plant a church in Encinitas. And more times than not, uh, pastors who've been in the area for decades looked at me and they're like, oh, not many churches make it out of there alive. Like, true story. Like, that's the church graveyard. I'm like, this is what every young, scared church planner wants to hear. I'm like, what? What? What do you mean? It's like elephant graveyard, like Lion King? Like, they're like, yeah, pretty much. And they just tell me stories of churches of like amazing, passionate pastors who move into Incinitas and their churches don't last. And I was like, oh man, what are we doing? And there's maybe a little part of me, I'm like, well, maybe we'll be different, but there's a part of me, I'm like, but what if we're not? And I remember driving away from one of these meetings, and I remember the Holy Spirit speaking to me, and he says, are you, are you okay if I called you to something that would fail? <sighs> it that, it's still, like, it wrecked me, because I was like, I don't want you to call me to something that would fail. I'm bringing my wife and my kids into this, day, this journey that already feels risky and scary what do you mean? And the Holy Spirit said again, would you be okay if I called you to something that did not achieve what you wanted, was not successful, and ultimately failed in your eyes? Would you be okay with being obedient to me? And guys, I have to be honest, I wrestled with God. Wrestled for a week. Just like, Lord, would you, why, why would you call me to do something I wouldn't succeed. Why would you call me to do something you fail? I mean, and, and I kept trying to jump to the outcome, and God's like, I'm not asking you about the outcome. I'm asking you about your faith and your trust. Do you trust me? Because if you trust me, you have to give up the outcome. And I was like, I don't know if I want to do that. I would much rather have a conversation with, like, Benji, you planted church, and this will happen, and this will happen, and this will happen. I wish God would give me a vision of what like our church has become over the past couple of years. I would have felt so much better like two years ago. Way less anxiety. But he didn't. He, he made me lay down the this, this idol in my life of, of success. You see, I come from a long line of very successful um, business people in my family. My, my dad, my grandpa. Every, everyone that I know, I have answered who are a doctor. I mean, everyone I know has just been, and I, and I didn't realize until that moment how much I was, I was holding that up against God, like he had to do something. And God's like, no, 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 all I'm asking for you is would you just say yes to me as your father? And would you give up the outcome? And, I had, and, I, and eventually came to a point where I said, okay, yeah. And, and Jen and I together, we, we were looking at each other I told Jen about this conversation I was having with the Lord and we both came to the conclusion if Light Church does not exist a year after we started it, we're okay with that because we were obedient to Jesus. And you know what happened? An easy yoke. Man, when we planted our church and, I, and that fear came into my head, no one's coming. Here it comes. Just Watch it was so much easier for me to be like, yeah, who cares? It's not my job. I just have to be obedient. And it was liberating and so much more fun when God does do things. But it it removed the emotion the fear and the grasping at control that I find so many people, again, whether you're planting a church, running a business, trying to get good grades and, and so you can get a scholarship, whatever your context is, I'm sure this plays itself out. And, and the easy yoke Jesus is saying is that I want you just to give that up. You don't need to achieve anything. You don't need to perform all I'm asking you to do is follow me. Take my yoke upon you. It's easy and light. And if you surrender this to the Lord, I promise you something will start shifting in you. And it doesn't mean you won't be successful. It doesn't mean that you will not continue to have a drive and a passion and a vision. But it means that you will walk with a different type of weight on your shoulder. So let's, let's move from the the conversation of independence. Let's start talking about, well, what does it mean to, what are we putting on? What does the yoke look like? We talked about what it means to throw something off, to become independent of something. What does it mean to put the yoke on? Um, quick, quick point, isn't it interesting that as a parent, um, if you're a parent in the room, if you've had parents, uh, the goal of a parent is to move a child from de- full dependence to independence, I mean, this isn't rocket science, but this is the goal of a parent, right? When they're born, I mean, like, babies can't even, like, lift their arms to scratch their head, right? They're just like, they have no control over it, right? And they're cute and cuddly, but they're, like, just totally useless, right? And then, like, a little time goes on, and they're like, hey, you know what? Like, Hey, can you go bring me that toy? And all of a sudden, they're like starting to try and tie their shoe. And all of a sudden, you don't have to change their diaper. And and you are walking them this slow journey from full dependence into independence so that the goal when they reach adulthood, they are responsible human beings ready to contribute to society. This this is what the, the maturation process looks like for human being. Did you ever realize that this is the exact opposite process for our spirituality? that the invitation of Jesus is to move us from independent, autonomous, uh, self-centered beings into fully dependent children on him. This is the process of Jesus is taking us through. So the longer I read the Bible, the more I follow Jesus, the more I find myself desperately dependent on him. Saying prayers like, God, if you do not show up, I don't know what I'll do. I'm not becoming more independent as a follower of Jesus. I'm becoming more dependent on him. And as I become more dependent on him, my yoke is getting lighter and easier. But that process is not easy. So three things that we find here in the text that Jesus begins to lay out. Number one is creating a dependence. It's a yoke that weighs on us the intimacy of our Father, understanding we are the beloved Remember verse 25 and 26. At that time, Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and of earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and have revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this is what you were pleased to do. This is the context for the easy yoke. The context is you are little children, and he is a gracious father. This is the yoke we walk with. This is what it means for us to walk with that in this new sense of ease and lightness. N.T. Wright, in his commentary on the book of Matthew, says, when he declares here in the old translation that he is meek and lowly of heart, he isn't boasting that he's attained some some special level of spiritual achievement. He is encouraging us to believe that he isn't going to stand over us like a policeman, isn't going to be cross with us like an angry school teacher. And the welcome he offers... For all who abandon themselves to his mercy is the welcome God offers through him. This is the invitation which pulls back the curtain and lets us see who the Father really is and encourages us to come into his loving, welcoming presence. This is the invitation. Come. Know what it means to walk under the weight of a loving father rather than an angry dictator. This is the God we serve. Number two, underneath this new yoke, it's understanding there is a dependence on the way of Jesus, the way that Jesus told us to live. We are welcomed apprentices to this. Um, just a short story here. Um, as I'm literally writing a story, or sorry, writing a sermon about coming to Jesus and taking his yoke upon you, and I was, um, it's in the midst of maybe, and I don't say, I'm not going to bore you with the details, but it's probably one of the most overwhelming weeks I've had in 2019. Um, not nothing bad, but just so much good stuff that I did not plan out properly. That I was so swamped. I did not go to bed before midnight any night. Um, every day was this kind of low-grade level of stress, and like, oh, I'm not gonna get it done. And, and it came to I, on Saturday morning. Um, I had not spent a minute on my sermon, which for me is like I never do. I always spend, like, Wednesdays all day prepping and praying and studying. And I did not spent a minute, and I'm stressed. And I'm like, Jen, I got to get away and, like, just go. So at, like, 6 in the morning, drove off, and I'm starting to study and starting to pray. And, like, a couple hours into it, I'm starting to get some content. I'm like, okay, this is good, Jesus, the easy yoke, this is awesome. And all of a sudden, I just find myself starting to think about, like, oh, man, the kid's fall break's coming up we should go on a vacation. I'm going to go to orbits.com. Just start like, well, I if there's any like, cheap flights anywhere. I wonder. And in this moment, after a very long week that was not anywhere close to coming to an end, I found myself longing to escape. And I didn't have to go far for the Holy Spirit just to say, do you realize what you're doing? You're stressed and overwhelmed and tired. And you're running to things to give you a sense of escape. He said, <laughs> he said, Come to me. Come to me. I will I will take that from you. Take my yoke upon you. It is easy and light. So I shut down orbits, I minimized my sermon, closed my laptop, and I just started praying with my gracious Heavenly Father. And I said, Jesus, I'm I'm sorry. I so badly want to just check out because I haven't been able to all week long, but you're what I need. And I, it was the most refreshing moment of my week was answering what I'm just talking about here. It's just answering, this is it. It's following who Jesus is, following the way he's presented for us. I came across this quote. I forgot who said it. He says, I wonder who gave you so much to do because it wasn't Jesus. I want to read you Eugene Peterson's take on this passage um, we find in his, his poetic interpretation of the scripture called The Message. Listen, just listen to these words. Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Love this next line. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. That's it. How do how do we live everyday kingdom? It's right there. It is learning the unforced rhythms of grace. came across this quote from Frederick Buckner, who's a, who's a theologian, and he made a great point here. He says, "A yoke is a work instrument." Thus, when Jesus offers a yoke, he offers what we might think tired workers need least. They need a mattress or a vacation, Orbits.com. Not a yoke, but Jesus realizes that the most restful gift he can give the tired is a new way to carry life." Love that. Realism sees that life is a succession of burdens. We cannot get away from them. Thus, instead of offering escape, Jesus offers equipment. Jesus means that obedience to his yoke will develop us in a balance and a way of carrying life that will give more rest than the way we have been living. Lastly, I'm going to invite the worship team up. It's finding dependence on the presence um, of the Holy Spirit. So here it is. If the past, I think, eight weeks, we've gone through this series of everyday kingdom. If you walk away with just like one thing, like I don't remember anything you said, Benji, but I remember this one thing. I hope this is it. If you want to know what it looks like to bring the kingdom of God, if you want to know what it looks like to live under the yoke, the easy yoke of Jesus, it happens when we begin to draw from the strength and the leading of the Holy Spirit, period. When Jesus left, he told his disciples, it's better that I go, because if I don't go, I can't send you the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is our, is our access and ability to walk this out. So if you're, if you're here tonight, if you're just sitting here, and you're like, man, I'm tired, I'm exhausted in, in my career, in my relationships, in my dreams, in my, in my walk with Jesus, I'm just tired. Can I just tell you one thing? Come back to the Holy Spirit. Let him be who strengthens you, who leads you. Let him order your steps. In your weakness, let him provide strength. Let him begin to dissolve the lie of legalism, the lie that if you just do more, perform more, know more, then you might feel that peace, feel that righteousness, and let that... All those lies just wipe away to say, no, Holy Spirit, I'm coming back to you. I'm gonna walk according to you, your leading, your strength. Again, if you're hearing me right, if you're hearing the Holy Spirit right now, there should not be a single person who leaves this place feeling guilty or burdened or heavy, you can leave this place and you might, nothing may have changed in your context or your circumstances, but we can walk out of here changed. We can walk out of here saying, I'm not going to carry that anymore. I'm going to walk into Monday under the strength of the Holy Spirit, under the love of my gracious Heavenly Father in the way of Jesus. I'm going to walk with the easy yoke Jesus invited me to carry. You guys bow your heads with me. I'm just going to go ahead and pray. God, I'm just to you right now, honestly, and I just want to let you know I'm, I'm tired. It's been a long week. My mind and my body are worn out. But yet, yeah, Lord, I, I strangely f- sense your peace. Holy Spirit, my heart is full of joy right now. Lord, I'm asking that you would teach me and every person in this room, what does it mean to carry the easy yoke of Jesus? Father, move me away from the false yokes and the false burdens that I willingly place on my own mind and shoulders every day release it God walk in your peace Lord help me walk in your the way of life the way of the abundant life you told me is available through you so Holy Spirit come Jesus name Amen. Thanks for joining us here on the Light San Diego podcast. This sermon was recorded in Encinitas, California. For more information, please visit us at lightsaniego.com.